From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, as always, it's our week in review. And that's coming up on the Decrypt Daily. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Friday, May 20th, 2022. I'm looking forward to this show today because I get to recap one of the craziest weeks, or actually a part of the craziest two weeks in crypto history. But first, let's look to see how those cryptos are doing. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. And the time right now is 10.35 a.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time. We have Bitcoin sitting at $29,994, up 0.5% in 24 Ethereum is at 2016, up 1.9% in 24. Still looking like they're down on seven, both of them. USDT is number three. USDC is number four. And Binance is number five at 312, up 2.8%. And rounding off the top 10, we have XRP, BUSD, Cardano, Solana, and Dogecoin. Just to let you know, they are all down. That's uh, Cardano, Solana, Dogecoin are all down on the day. Total market cap is $1.27 trillion, a BTC dominance of 44.7, and an F dominance of 19.1. Moving into our week in review. So, on Monday, we're still in the wake of Luna's explosion. It's crumbling. Stop experimenting with Ponzi's, Agile Stables, yield farming, and other unsustainable nonsense. Start experimenting with public good funding, governance DAOs, decentralized identity and reputation, and regenerative finance and privacy tools. This is the GUI, says Sasso0x on Twitter. Vitalik agreed. I agree hard on this, with one quibble that AgoStable has become a propaganda term, serving to legitimize uncollateralized stables by putting them in the same bucket as collateralized stables like DAI. And we really need to emphasize that those are two very different things. Also on Monday, they started passing around the idea of having a hard fork and creating Terra 2 and Luna 2 and a pool to repay old UST's peg. CZ Zhao of Binance said, Personal opinion, not financial advice. This won't work. Forking does not give you any new value. That's wishful thinking. One cannot void all transactions after an old snapshot, both on-chain and off-chain. Where is all the Bitcoin that was supposed to be used as reserves? Three days ago, the forking proposal was voted against by 90% of the Luna community. However, looks like they're doing it anyway. And 73% of Luna hodlers have voted yes to fork. Since January, Luna has been stockpiling over $3.5 billion in reserves of Bitcoin, Avalanche, Luna and UST to deploy if UST ever slipped below a dollar. According to blockchain analysis firm Elliptic, on Monday hours after Luna's announcement of the $1.5 billion loan, 
a Bitcoin address associated with LFG, with Luna, sent roughly $750 million worth of Bitcoin to a new address. That evening, a further $930 million worth of Bitcoin was sent from multiple Luna-associated wallets to the same Luna address. This totaled 52,189 Bitcoin worth over $1.6 billion. That Bitcoin was then moved to a new address to a single account at Gemini. The transfer left 28,205 Bitcoin worth around $875 million at the time of writing on early Tuesday morning, and the whole amount then moved to Binance. Moving on to Tuesday. South Korea's Financial Services Commission, or the FSC, and the Financial Supervisory Service, or the FSS, has launched emergency inspections into local crypto exchanges. The move is reportedly linked to the recent collapse of Luna and UST, and it aims to ensure better protections for investors. Though Korean financial authorities are watching the crypto market closely, they don't admit that there's much they can do in terms of investor protection right now. A spokesman for the financial authorities told Yonhap, in regards to the recent Luna incident, we are monitoring overall situation changes, but there isn't a direct measure the government can take at this moment. There's no ground for the government to intervene because coin transactions are being freely operated by the private sector. Korean's conservative party requested to have a hearing about the terror incident. A politician noted Korean exchanges each reacted differently to the crash, and he wanted to have Do Kwan and some people from the exchanges come and talk to parliament. Also on Tuesday, Binance CEO CZ Zhao said that, that the cryptocurrency exchange never sold the 15.4 million Luna they received for a $3 million investment it made in the Terra ecosystem in 2018. Binance's holdings in the Terra blockchain governance token were at one point worth $1.6 billion. As of Tuesday, it was worth $2,461. CZ said, never moved or sold. Also on Tuesday, we had further evidence that algorithmic stablecoins are maybe not the way. Day, a hybrid algorithmic stablecoin from the DeFi protocol Deus, lost a dollar peg, falling to 66 cents, all-time low of 55 cents on May 16th. Hmm. On Wednesday, an interview with CNBC's Squawk Box, former Federal Reserve Chair Ben Bernanke dished out some heavy crypto criticism, saying that there were intended to be a substitute for fiat money, and in that respect they have not succeeded. Crypto's appeal lies with the fact that it's successful as a speculative asset, continues to say. If Bitcoin were a substitute for fiat money, you can use Bitcoin to go buy your groceries. No one buys groceries with Bitcoin because it's too expensive and too inconvenient to do that. Bernanke also compared Bitcoin to gold. He's like, you can use gold to fill cavities. The underlying value of a Bitcoin is to do ransomware. Well, that pissed off my friend Ben, who texted me. Bernanke, what a dick. Such an irresponsible and uninformed point of view from someone who should know better. What do you think? Matthew Aaron at Decrypt.co Thursday, yesterday, FTX US announced that select customers can now trade stocks and ETFs, making it the first native crypto exchange to offer equities within its platform. The new product, which the company has been teasing for months, is called FTX Stocks, which I think Sam Bankman-Free just killed it on the name. Branding is everything, right? <laughs> and will let users fund their accounts with USDC stablecoins as well as bank transfers. FTX stocks will be available to a small amount of customers selected from a waitlist, but the company expects to roll it out to all users by midsummer. FTX US says that its new stock offerings will not, at least for now, earn the company money from so-called payment for order flow, which has been the cornerstone of Robinhood's business model in the past couple years. 
Payment for Order Flow, or PFOF, involves bundling customers' orders together and then routing them through a third-party market maker like Citadel Securities, which executes the orders and pays a fee for doing so. While some argue the practice helps small traders by letting them benefit from bulk order pricing, critics also say that this model is sneaky and unfair because, well, if you can see everybody's order by bundling it together, you can front-run the market. I had two statements yesterday about this. The first one was, hey, stablecoins were just going into the crypto market, and so the government and the regulators can drag their feet on regulating stablecoins. But now they're going to be going to buy stocks. I think this is going to push regulators to really crack down on stablecoins. And I, honestly, I hope they do sooner than later. USDC seems to be doing the right things. But do we have enough transparency of how they're backed one-to-one? I think we need it. Also, my other statement was, is FTX trying to kill Robinhood? You buy a stake in the company only to compete directly with it? Well, I got corrected that it isn't FTX buying a stake in Robinhood. It was actually Sam Brankman-Fried. And, well, you know what? A listener wrote me a nice long email talking about all of this. Justin wrote in and said, Matthew, first of all, big fan of your show and the rest of the content produced by Decrypt. Thank you very much, sir. I'm pretty new to the space, and it's been awesome to lean on your team to bring me up to speed on certain things. Happy to expand on any of all of these thoughts, but as a former investment banker and private equity investor, I thought I could be helpful with some comments, at least based on my current understanding of the situation. I wouldn't look at this as a SPAC situation, as a SPAC conducts an IPO for businesses without any actual operations in place, and then seeks to acquire an operating company with its own publicly traded stock as currency. Theoretically, this results in less friction to go public for the target given Robinhood is very much real business. We can look past this dynamic. Next point Justin makes. You may be thinking of a reverse merger. And my comments erroneously yesterday was like, is this like a SPAC situation where they're trying to buy a company that's already on the stock market and then get FTX on the stock market? Which is what they're trying to do, but it's actually called a reverse merger. And Justin says, in which case a private company will purchase an existing public company's stock and end up in control at which point they could swap the private company's shares for the target's public shares, with the formerly private company now public as a result of the transaction. Which, thank you for that, Justin. That's exactly what I wanted to say, but I I was not thinking clearly when I said something about a SPAC when it's a reverse merger. The nuance in this case, Justin says, is that Robinhood stock was purchased by SBF as an individual. Technically, it was a standalone entity, but controlled by him. Makes it one the same, not by FTX corporate. At this point, his influence is limited to being an individual, albeit significant shareholder. And I still kind of want to press back on that. Well, he could do whatever he wants with his shares, right? Could he give his shares to FTX and then FTX be a hodler of Robinhood and a big significant shareholder? Could he start stacking shares and then all of a sudden, boom, give it to FTX and FTX just takes over? I think him having individual purchases of these shares is kind of not really a point. Correct me if I'm wrong with that. But I could be wrong. I mean, obviously, I could be wrong. But I think that, I mean, look at look at Elon Musk. He's an individual that's going to be taking over Twitter. SBF could do the same as an individual or just give his shares to FTX, right? Anyway, Justin continued to say that SBF has publicly stated that this was purely an investment opportunity, but fair to say that he has other plans. Although attempting to affect the merger between the two could be complicated for him personally and require a lot of lawyers, concerns about fiduciary duty, etc. to make it happen down the road. So it's not off the table. And I think that it's fair to say that he might be doing it. It just doesn't make sense that SBF will purchase a competitor's stock without trying to leverage that for his company's benefit. What do you think? Matthew Aaron at Decrypt.co. And finally, on Thursday, Ethereum developers have reached another milestone on their way to the long-awaited F2.0 network upgrade. The Robston Public Testnet will undergo an upgrade to proof-of-stake consensus on June 8th. So when F2.0 
Tim Bako, who's been on the show, by the way, tweeted, It won't be in June, but likely in a few months after. No firm date yet, but we're definitely in the final chapter of proof of work on Ethereum. And by the way, if you want to earn $250,000, you could be a bug bounty hunter for Ethereum's new 2.0. Identify vulnerabilities that are in scope of the program and get a quarter of a million dollars. And finally, today on Friday, at WatcherGuru tweeted, just in, Terra has introduced three amendments to his proposal to create a new blockchain for Luna. What are those proposals? Well, I'm going to tell you right now. The first one is to focus on sprucing up the Genesis liquidity. This would primarily focus on shielding smaller wallet holders that are hodling Luna before the attack. The liquidity has reportedly been pushed from 15% to 30%. This would further diminish the inflationary pressure in the future. I don't think so, but okay. The second amendment of terror would pave the way for a whole new liquidity profile for pre-attack Luna hodlers. And finally, the last amendment is to expect it to lower the distribution to post-attack UST hodlers. This amendment decreases the allocation for UST hodlers after the attack from 20% to 15%. The DPEG surrounding the allocation is expected to stay on par with the original stakeholder's allocation. In addition to this, the 5% change from diminishing the distribution to post-attack UST hodlers would also allocate directly to the community pool. All of this sounds really, really bad. Really bad. What do you think? Matthew Aaron at Decrypt.co. Thank you for listening to our week in review. What a crazy week. What a big week. A lot of stuff happening this week. We're going to see if we can't get into some news over the weekend. And until then, happy hodling, everyone. <laughs>